Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Gonna get how many came expecting? Maybe you didn't understand me good there. Something from the Lord tonight. When we expect, we get. Amen. This is a good turnout for Friday night. You know, for the next 48 hours, can you imagine if someone had told you a bunch of years ago that on a weekend you're going to come to church three or four times in 48 hours? You think they were crazy. Amen. But God is going to do great things tonight and tomorrow and Sunday. How many are going to commit tonight to come back tomorrow night? Let me see your hands. I'm going to put you on record right now. Amen. How many are going to commit to ask somebody? And maybe you already did. Hey, we didn't see you last night. You're going to come tonight? Amen. And then Sunday morning. How many come back Sunday morning? Amen. You know what's exciting? We're, we've been, amen. Let's, come on. That's, they're all going to be back. It's exciting to see and hear some of our new converts and new families and people just starting to come to the church that are, are saying, we're going to be at every service in this revival. You know, that's, that's how you change your life, when you just go all in. You don't try it out for a little while and then, and then miss for a while. You just, I'm, I'm going to be at every event. And I just want to congratulate all of those of you that have just been doing that. You've just been jumping in and being at every service. And God's going to do great things in these next 48 hours. Pastor Bland has been in the ministry for over 30 years. 30 how many now? It's, I, I, it's over 30, right? 30-something. 30 is it closer to 40 or is it 35. 32, 32 years preaching the gospel, amen, and preaching and pastoring and been in this fellowship way before I was, and, and I, I've always admired this pastor. He's a great friend. I uh, look to him. He's not old enough to be my father, but I, as a father figure as well, as a mentor, um, I've told the story before, but there's lots of people who've never heard it. As I was raising with my wife, our daughters, I would watch his his kids, he has four kids, and at conferences, us being in the mission field, I would, my, my girls were still young, and, and we were just starting to raise them as growing up into teenagers and stuff, and I'd watch his kids and how they were in the prayer room and how they carried themselves, and it doesn't mean they were perfect, but, but I could tell they were doing a good job with their kids, and so I was smart enough to go ask him and pick his brain and say, Pastor, what do you do? Give me some nuggets. Give me some things. And, and I asked him things. And I put those things into practice. And, and God helped us with our kids. And, and that's, I've just seen such a strong, powerful example in his life for so long. And I don't know how much of his testimony I'll share. You never know what in a revival. I know I go preach revivals. And I was telling my daughter today, when you get to a city, Sometimes the Lord will change your messages three or four times before you even preach that first night. It's hard to have a title ready because, you, you know, you're in the air sometimes flying over and God's changing your message. And, or you get to the service and he gives you another one. But there's no telling what he's going to preach. But I can, and I don't want to take anything away, but I can tell you he's been through a lot. And a lot of things you wouldn't even, you'd be blown away to hear, things he's been through. And I admire men of God who have been through some things and keep on keeping on for the Lord. Amen. He is a tremendous example tonight. So he's, he's going to give your notebooks, lots of notes. Listen to him as a man of authority. And uh, we're going to believe these altars to be full after the service of decisions being made. Uh, I don't know if we have any guests in church tonight. If we do, let's give them a big hand and welcome them. And also welcome those that are watching 
online tonight. You are online, Pastor Bland. Amen. So this is live streamed. And uh, I, want, I want us to just to open our hearts. We've got our, our notebooks open. I see lots of notebooks open already. That's good. Get your Bibles ready. And let's, let's make Pastor Jonathan Bland from Cortez, Colorado, feel real welcome tonight as he comes to preach. Amen. Well, hallelujah. I do appreciate your pastor. Amen. I kind of feel guilty when I come in. He carries my luggage and gets me a car to drive. And, and uh, I'm either getting old or he's just a good guy. <laughs> Probably both, huh? Amen. Praise God. But it's really good to be here today. You guys are friends for many years, we've watched this church grow and prosper, and it's a miracle. You're, a, you're part of a miracle here today, and it's a wonderful miracle. Just such a fresh presence of God here, and we do really appreciate Pastor Blake and Carla. Amen. It's a lot more humid here. I'm still digging the sand and dirt out of my nose from Colorado. We've had a dry, dry spring, and... Uh, it's nice to feel a little humidity, actually, at least for a few days. Amen. I want to share something with you tonight that uh, is really, it's a godly attribute that will, uh, it's critical. It's something that is supernatural, and uh, it's something that God wants to work into all of our lives. You know, when you get saved, it's, it's not just praying a prayer but it's Christ being formed in you. It's when you change. How many are glad you're changing? There's no need to even get saved if you don't want to change. God's going to change you, and they're good changes. And so I want to look tonight, the, the title of my message is The, uh, the Path of the Merciful. And I'm going to look at this, uh, at what the Bible calls mercy, and it, it is something that it's one of the intangibles in, in life that uh, it, it, it creates an atmosphere and a, and a flavor. I mean, you know, if we, want, if we want our churches to grow and to reach people, there has to be an atmosphere of mercy. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to God expecting harshness, deserving harshness. How many know what I'm talking about? And he's given me mercy instead. And so the word mercy is, it, it literally means, listen to this, it, a, a refraining from harming or punishing offenders, enemies, persons in one's power. So refraining from harming or punishing offenders, enemies, or persons in power. Kindness, watch this part, kindness in excess of what may be expected or demanded by fairness. Kindness, even when it would be fair for us not to be kind, we choose kindness. That's mercy. It means forbearance and compassion involves a tenderness of heart and compassionate actions. A few years ago, probably a lot of you have seen this movie. How many of you have seen the movie, uh, The Blind, was it Blind Side? Sandra Bullock, Blind Side? That movie impacted me. There was one scene in that movie where she takes, you know, she's... Uh, uh, wealthy white woman. She takes this young black kid, and and he's 
comes from way down low. His mom had like 11 kids, uh, many of them from different men. His mom would, would tell him, you know what, uh, close your eyes. And he, he would close his eyes and she would shoot junk into her veins. And then she'd tell him, now you can open your eyes. It's going to be okay. So she raised her kids that way. And then, you, then Sandra Bullock gets him. And uh, there's one part in the movie where she's going to go and actually meet the mother, that the birth mother. And, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a really, it's a touching part because the, the boy had no chance. The mother did everything wrong. Everything that could be done bad to her children, she did. But I remember when, when they came to that one part, Sandra Bullock could have got in there and said, what, what kind of mom are you? What, what were you thinking? Why would you do this to your kids? But in that, in that place, she was just kind, and she didn't point out the woman's flaws and faults, which were obvious, but she just showed her mercy. And mercy is very powerful. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's one of God's primary attributes. Turn to Psalms chapter 107, excuse me, verse 1. He says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. So this is part of, how I many even in eternity, mercy is still going to be there. In heaven, mercy is it's part of who God is. And so much... Of, of how God interacts with men and women is shaped by his mercy. It's, it's just something that is so important. It's one of those primary character traits that God deals with people. Psalms 103 verse 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. So they're in those two lines. He's merciful and gracious. He's abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has uh, not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as a, uh, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. So this supernatural trait is God's trait. You know, uh, it doesn't say that, that, that God uh, is, is a great businessman. But it does say that he's merciful. I mean, no, it, it's, it's something that's, that's important. Psalms 116 says, I love the Lord, verse 1. I love the Lord because he hears and he answers my prayers. Because he bends down and listens. I will pray as long as I have breath. Death had its hands around my throat. How many like the, the, the fact that God bends down and listens? You know, one of my, one of my grandchildren, Journey... Journey May is her name, and uh, she has Down syndrome, and, and uh, she struggles with talking, and, and uh, so she's sometimes hard to understand, but she's so uh, vibrant and, and happy, but, when you, but the thing you got to do with Journey May is you got to listen, and it's, I think of that, where God bends down. You know, how many, sometimes we talk, and ain't nobody, but God bends down, and he says, now, listen, what was that? And journey made just going on. I, even if I don't get it, I act like I do. Amen? 
But how many glad God bends down, listens to you? He takes the time. Other people just walking by, blowing you You know, she's uh, uh, Journey May loves to sing, and and in in uh, she she when she's in worship service, she and she just acts wild sometimes. And Robin said to me, she says she's just so wild. I said, just let her be wild. She's as happy as can be. And uh, God bless her. God love her. He has mercy in our lives. He goes on and he says, verse 5, how kind the Lord is, how good he is, so merciful, this God of, God of ours. Okay, so if you want to be like Jesus, you got to have mercy working in your life. It is a supernatural trait. I can tell you the devil is not merciful. I can tell you for the most part, this world is not merciful. This world shows more mercy for whales and snails than it does for babies. How many are with me? We, we, uh, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. Is it merciful to kill a baby in the womb when they go in and they want to suck that baby out and that, it pulls back and tries to get away, but there's no mercy in this world? This is a God thing. This is unique to genuine Christianity. Oh, the world puts on. They talk their compassion, but we're talking something that's not just a bunch of talk. We're talking about something that is real, it is powerful. Just like in the, in the Sandra Bullock movie, she redeemed that young boy because she was merciful. How many want to be redeemers? So important. So um, there are two important results of mercy. When you, when you cultivate these, uh, this, this trait in your life, the first thing is that mercy will redeem the impossible. Jesus could redeem people that nobody else could because he was merciful. Take Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and he was dishonest, and nobody liked Zacchaeus. You know, you, the reason he was up in a tree trying to get close is because nobody was letting him in, right? You know, it's kind of like on the freeway. I, we live in Podunk Junction, and so you come here, and everybody's crowding, but it gets on me real quick. It comes right back. I used to live in Phoenix. But anyhow, I mean, nobody was making room for Zacchaeus. But Jesus comes, and he's kind, he reaches Zacchaeus. Nobody would have reached Zacchaeus, but Jesus did. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm, I'm going to go have dinner with you. How many, how many see? So uh, the first thing is it will help you redeem the impossible. Um, I came across this story. It's a true story. It says, years after the death of President Calvin Coolidge, this story came to light. In the early days of his presidency, Coolidge awoke the one morning in his hotel room to find a burglar going through his pockets. Coolidge spoke up, asking the burglar not to take his watch, his watch chain because it contained an engraved charm that he, wished, he wanted to keep. Coolidge then engaged the thief in a quiet conversation, and he discovered he was a college student who had no money to pay his hotel bill or to buy his ticket back to campus. Coolidge counted $32 out of his wallet, which he had also uh, persuaded the day's young man to return to him, and he declared it to be a loan and advised the young man to leave the way that he had come so as so the, to avoid the secret service, and yes, the loan was paid back. Now, what could have happened with that guy? He could have been in prison. I mean, you don't break in to the, to the White House and into the president's room without consequences. 
But he, President Coolidge understood something. He understood mercy. He understood giving what, not what was deserved, but was, was not, excuse me, not deserved. The prodigal son, how many know? He went out, he did all these things. He, he blew his inheritance. He blew it on stupid things. He blew his money. And then he comes home. But his dad redeemed him because he showed him mercy. This, so the first thing it does, it will help you redeem the impossible. You might be struggling right now with how do I help this person? Maybe mercy is involved in there. The second thing it does is mercy helps us. It says in, in Proverbs eleven seventeen, the merciful man does good for his own soul. So we, a lot of times we think about mercy. Yes, it helps the other person. But you know who else? It, it changes you. Let me read it again. The merciful man does good for his own soul. How many want to do good for your own soul? Be merciful. As you're, he does good for his own soul. James 2.13 says, For there will be no mercy for you if you have not been merciful to others. But if you have been merciful, then God's mercy towards you will win over his judgment against you. Uh, Matthew 5.7 says, God blesses those who are merciful. So, yes, it helps other people, but it does something in you. You don't realize many times. When you extend mercy, when you are merciful towards people and in situations of life, just like President Coolidge was with that thief, I'm telling you, you, you are cultivating something in your life that will equate to great blessing down the road. It, 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 it puts the, the character of God in you. You know, we got saved because we wanted the character of God, right? How many didn't like some things about your character? I had most, I didn't, most things I didn't like about my character. But you know, when we get saved, God begins to put his character in us. And mercy gives you God's character. It softens you. It molds you. Mercy helps you to be a good dad or a mom. Mercy helps you to help people in church. You know, churches need to be filled with mercy. If, if people come in and, well, you know, how many chances are we going to give them? Well, how many chances has God given you? Amen? Well, I don't know about them. You know, I, I, I was raised in church. My dad was a, a, an Assemblies of God missionary. I've, I've been in churches can be very unmerciful places. But when there's mercy, there's this atmosphere. People come in, and without anything being said, they feel hope. They feel they can make it. They feel that, that God's going to do something in their lives. So, and, and, and it'll also give you a wealth of friends. How many want friends? You know, if you're harsh and critical and short with people, you're going to have a hard time having real friends. So, those two things. It, it, it redeems the impossible, and it does something in your own spirit. So, what triggers mercy? Let's think about that for a moment. So, when mercy is released in a given situation, what triggers that? What triggers God's mercy? Because I'm going to tell you that it's not always triggered. I'm going to show you some things here in just a minute. See, mercy is not for every situation. It's not for every situation. Matthew 7, 6 says, don't give what is holy to unholy people. Don't give pearls to swine. They will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. What that scripture says is pretty strong. He said there is a place where you don't extend mercy. Because it's, it's in that given situation, it's not going to be helpful. He said in that given situation, that person's going to just trample on it and turn and, and, and trample on you in the process. 
So mercy is not for every situation. But what triggers mercy? What is the right situation? In Numbers chapter 16, I'm not going to read it for the sake of time tonight, but you read about um, three men that started a rebellion, Korah, Datham, and Abiram. And uh, uh, they, so they, they, they caused this huge um, rebellion, get the people to turn against Moses. And Moses told them, he said, everybody get back, stand back. And if you remember, literally, the ground opened up and swallowed them. There was no mercy. And you know what? God was in that. So what I'm telling you tonight is mercy is not for every situation. But when God deals with you and he deals with me, how many want to know what triggers his mercy? We know that rebellion and unrepentance don't trigger mercy. It's what happened in Numbers. They, they did not repent. They thought they were righteous. They were self-righteous. They were against Moses, and they never did repent, and that triggered judgment. How many of those things that trigger judgment as well? But what triggers mercy? What are the triggers? The first one is this. The fear of God will trigger mercy. Psalms 103 verse 11 says, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. So if you need mercy, if I need mercy, uh, you know, I can't trigger it for you and you can't trigger it for me, but I can humble my heart and the fear of the Lord. Th that means there's a, there's a, how many, when we, when we have the fear of God, we're repentant, we're broken. And, and that repentance and that brokenness triggers mercy. God looks, he says, they're broken over. There's not, they're not justifying. They're not, they're, they're not going on and they're, they're broken. They, they've messed up. Yes, they've maybe done this or done that, but there is a brokenness about them. And you know what? God says, I'm going to help that person. You know, the devil will fight you. Well, if I, if I you know, admit that I'm wrong, you know, one of your best friends in life is repentance. Because when you repent, mercy flows. It triggers the mercy of God. God gives grace to the humble. Right? So the first trigger is the fear of God. We're, we're, we're broken. The second trigger, and this is hard for macho, proud Americans, is you've got to be willing to cry out. Cry out to God. Psalms 107 verse 10 says, Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in, in affliction and irons, because they rebelled, okay, it's a self-induced problem. Because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their hearts with labor, and they fell down, and there was none to help. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. What was the trigger? They cried out. See, one of the, one of the triggers, how many of you remember the story of blind Bartimaeus? In Mark chapter 10, you can read about it for yourself. So Bartimaeus is blind, and he hears that Jesus is there. And so he's stumbling along, and, and he just begins to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, and they're saying, shut up, man. We can't hear what he's saying. The Bible says the crowd began to rebuke him, and it said he cried out all the more. But you know who did hear him? Jesus did. You know who will hear you when you cry out? I don't care how you failed. I don't care what you have struggled with. If you will cry out, God will hear that cry of mercy. His ear is tuned to it. 
His, his heart is tuned to it. He hears it. You know, uh, God, God's ear is tuned to people. You know, we have uh, cattle and different things, and we kind of laugh about it. You know, when we were, when our kids were little, the babies would cry at night. I'd never hear it. I'd get up in the morning and say, how many times did they get you up, hon? But you know what? I can be in the house, and I can hear a cow begin to make a cry that's not right. And I tell Robin, I said, something wrong with one of those cows out there. <laughs> She's like... I think your priorities are mixed up. <laughs> but you know God's ears is tuned like that. He, he hears there's something. Now, if, you, if you're going to be macho and if you're going to be tough, you know what? I think it's good when we cry out to God. I think it's good when we have altar calls. I think it's good when we raise our voice. I think it's, there's a place for, for weeping and shouting out like Bartimaeus did. You know, we can shout any place but in church. We can cry out any place but in church. You can go to a, a ball game and act like a, 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 a fool idiot, and that's okay. You can get in fights. You can holler. You can throw stuff. But you know, if you come to church, if you cry out to God, there's something wrong with you. But God hears the cry. He said, oh, they cried out. They never cried out. They never cried out. They never cried out. They never cried out. Here's the one that gets the mercy. They cried out to God. They cried out. They said, God, my son, my daughter's not doing well. God, have mercy. Help me here. Lord, I'm struggling. Lord, I, I have these, these bills. I've got this addiction that I'm contending with. Please, God, help me. Oh, God, be like Bartimaeus. Lord, help me. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Sometimes it's a private crying out, and sometimes it's not so private. But I'm telling you, it triggers God. It triggers God when you cry out. Another thing that God looks at is don't take mercy for granted. He sees people. Uh, again, in Matthew 18, you read about a man that uh, owed a lot of money. And uh, he was going to get put in jail. And his family was going to be put in jail because he couldn't pay that money. And the, the guy that he owed it to was merciful to him. And then that, after he got out of jail, he turned right around and somebody owed him just a little bit of money. And he threw them in jail and showed no mercy. He was just harsh. And you know what? The mercy that was extended to him got reversed. How I many don't want your mercy reversed? Don't take it for granted. Let me tell you, if God's merciful to you, he does expect you to be merciful to others. Amen? If God forgave you, you say, well, well, are they honest? Well, I don't know. You know, here's the big thing. Well, are they sincere? I don't know if they're sincere. This is my, this is my philosophy. As long as they try, I'm going to try with them. As long as they're willing to try, I don't care if we've been around the mountain 500 times. If they're willing to get up and go again, I'm going to go with them to try to help them. Maybe this time. Gotta, gotta, you know what? You, you want me to tell you why I do that? Because I've been around that mountain a lot of times. A lot of times. So don't take it for granted. I want to end with this. Mercy, mercy in no way justifies rebellion. Mercy doesn't say it really wasn't that bad. It was that bad, right? And, and uh, so it, it, mercy is not this thing that um, uh, it justifies wrong. 
No, what it does is it gives you another chance to trust the grace of God to get it right next time. Amen? And the result of mercy, the end result of mercy is, number one, you will flourish. You will flourish. I am talking a supernatural flourishing. You will have favor. It says in Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful. How do you want to be blessed? Who doesn't want to be blessed? You know, when we come in and when we're, I mean, I want God's blessing in my life. Blessed are the merciful. So the end result, blessed people are merciful people. And merciful people are blessed people. So there comes a, a blessing. It's, 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 it's in many different ways. It can, it can come out in financial blessing. It can come out in favor with people. All kinds of ways. All I'm telling you is blessed are the merciful. You want to be blessed, be merciful. And, and, and another result, you, you, you make, you, you, you spread the fragrance. For, Second Corinthians talks about uh, that we spread that, the fragrance of God like a sweet perfume. Merciful people are like a sweet, how many want to be a sweet perfume for God? You know, some people come into church and they pass gas. Not a sweet perfume. In their attitude, in their spirit. They're just, you know, they're a bad smell. I don't want to be that way, amen? I want to be a sweet perfume in the body of Christ. And when you, when you come and, and you have a merciful attitude towards people, somebody's struggling. Somebody, you know, the, you go in the nursery and the whole thing's blowing up and somebody bit your kid and, and I mean, all kinds of things happen. Be merciful. You know, you go to the, the post office and... They're struggling to deal with stuff. The line, or they're, they're not doing Somebody's being trained. Be merciful to them. Remember the way it was for you. Amen? Be merciful. How many ever had God rebuke you because you weren't so merciful? One time I was in the post office, and they, they messed something up. Or, and, uh, I, you know, in my little wordy way, I, I let them know about it. And I didn't even get out of that post office. And the Holy Spirit gave me a chewing out. And he said, that's, that's real good. That's real good. And I went right back in there, and I repented to him. I turned right, got in line, had to wait in line all over again. And I said, I'm just here to tell you that I'm really sorry the way I acted a minute ago. And that was that. Amen. But, I mean, you know, mercy's expressed towards people. You, you say, how do I express mercy? First of all, in your words. Let me tell you where, where you can really practice mercy, on your spouse. On your spouse. You know, w- with our spouses and our own immediate families, we are the least merciful sometimes. Well, why'd you do that? You know? How c- well, you know, it, it's the tone, right? It's the tone. But in your words, the Bible says, let your speech always uh, let your speech be seasoned with grace. Mercy in your speech. How many of you have somebody that just was kind to you? You know, Pastor Jones been my pastor for a lot of years now. And I can't tell you how many times in his words, in a phone conversation, because I've never lived in Colorado Spring, mercy came through. I was expecting to get chewed out, and instead I got mercy. In your words, with your family, in the body of Christ, tone. Secondly, in your actions. David showed mercy 
to the son of Saul. Saul's son, Mephibosheth, in 2 Samuel, he said, how can I show mercy to the family of Saul? And he took that, that crippled man, Mephibosheth, and he said, you're going to eat at my table from now on. How many know actions of mercy? Actions of mercy. Helping people. Uh, finding ways to bless and to, to help people in their time of struggle. And the, la and the last one is this, and this is so important. One of the great ways you can show mercy is to pray for people, especially when they don't deserve it. As I was just contemplating this point, you know, there's sometimes as a pastor and people go around the mountain and, and they're dealing with different things and, and you think, well, you know, they're on their own. They're on their own. They've done this. They've done, You know what? Pray for people that don't deserve to be prayed for. Say, well, how, how can I help them? Pray for them. Oh, God, help them. Lord, help. You know, maybe they've made mistakes left and right, but you say, God, help them. You know, prayer, in, 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 in prayer, you can show great mercy. You know, Moses' sister, Miriam, rebelled. Remember that? She spoke against him and his wife. And you know what Moses did? What would you and I have done? Serves you right, woman. Keep your mouth shut next time. Right? You know what Moses did? She got leprosy. There was no doubt about who was right and who was wrong. All right? She got leprosy. God gave her leprosy because of the way she dealt with Moses. But it says in Numbers 12, 13, So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, Please heal her, O God, I pray. You know what you do? In prayer, you extend mercy. God, here, in prayer, you extend. You, you, you know what? That person that, that you have struggled with, begin to pray for them. Help them, God. And you know what? God will move, and he'll do great things in them and in you. Amen? So tonight, we need mercy. In our lives, we need, to, we need to walk and cultivate mercy, and we need mercy as we come before God. Let's bow our heads for just a few moments. You know, uh, some of you may have come in tonight just struggling. Maybe you've, you've messed up. Maybe you're thinking, God, if people knew what was in my heart, they wouldn't like me very well. They wouldn't think very well of me. <coughs> I want to tell you tonight, there's mercy in this place. There's mercy for the person that will come. See, that thief on the cross, he had messed up his whole life. And he said to the other thief, he said, you know what? You and I deserve what we're getting. There was no question. And but the other thief, he, he, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't have the right spirit. But the one that cried out, he turned to Jesus and he said, would you remember me? And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in prayer. Mercy was extended. So you know what? You came in tonight. And maybe you had the thought, God's mad at me. I've messed up. I'm this. I'm that. I'm going to tell you tonight that God knew that, that he was going to speak to you about mercy tonight. So as every head's bowed, every eye's closed, where do you stand, really stand with God? The devil would say, oh, you can't come to God. I hear people say, well, you're not good enough to, to go to church. That's the whole reason we're in church is because we lack so much. Do you know Jesus today? Do you need 
His mercy in your life? Are you saved? Have you made that decision and said, Oh God, please help me today. You, you might have a, a dark history. You might have a trail that's a mile. You might be in this church and look like a Christian, but you're really not. How many would slip your hands up tonight? And by raising your hands, you're saying, I'm in a place and I desperately need God's forgiveness and mercy. Very quickly, God's talking to you. You sense his presence. You might have come in thinking he's against you, but he is for you tonight. You'd slip your hand up very quickly. God's dealing with you. I don't know a lot of you here tonight, but I'm telling you, remember the cry out. God sees. It's like a lightning rod. You raise your hand tonight and God will do something. Some, something that's held you back. Something that's caused you not to, to come near to God. You slip your hand up tonight, God will meet with you. And there'll be, it's like a lightning rod for his mercy. Let's stand in his place tonight. You know, as we, one of the reasons I preached on this tonight is we need a work of God's grace these next couple of days. He doesn't need great sermons and great preachers. He needs people to see who he is. Amen. He needs us these next few days to get a revelation, a fresh revelation of who God is and to cultivate that in our life. I don't know about you, but, you know, just because you preach on mercy doesn't mean you've got it all sorted out. I had to do some repenting in my motel room this afternoon. I prayed for some people that I had stopped praying for. Because they need the mercy and the grace of God. So these next few days, let's ask God for his mercy. And maybe tonight you've struggled with an error. Maybe God's put his, his, his finger on it. Maybe it's within your home. And tonight, if we'll just come and we'll just cry out to God, he'll give you fresh mercy in your life. He'll help you to help people. And you'll find it, it's like it, it unplugs something in the spiritual realm. How many want a free-flowing grace in your life? Amen. These altars are open tonight. Let's come. Let's pray. Let's see God as, as we worship. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.